Stay with us following this week's Crosswalk for information on Pastor Clay's new book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. Growing in God's Word and learning what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. This world is a mess. Maybe the biggest mess that it's ever been. A lot of people have a lot of reason to not have much hope in this world in which we live. Have you ever been at a place in your life where you felt completely overwhelmed and you had lost all hope? Many of us could probably answer yes to that question. The circumstances of life can get to us at times. Even if your circumstances aren't bad right now, what's going on in the world could be another reason to lose hope. What's a person to do? Not surprisingly, the Bible has an answer. He has done this thing. He has redeemed us by His grace. Because of His amazing grace, God has drawn us to Himself, washed our sins away, adopted us into His family. And as a result of that, man, I can find hope. Hi, and welcome to this week's Crosswalk. Today we're moving into a new phase of our series, Building on the Basics. Previously in our study, we looked at the building block of faith and the importance of acting on our faith, as explained through the book of James. Our second building block is hope. And as we'll see as we make our way through the books of 1st and 2nd Peter, we are called to live in it. That is, in hope. No matter what circumstances look like, no matter what things look like, no matter what your life looks like, there is, say the word, hope. As Pastor Clay is going to explain today, there are plenty of reasons in this world to lose hope. But the Bible shows us that followers of Jesus can find hope in our lives. So open your Bibles to the book of First Peter as we learn about the basic of hope and how to live in it while living in a world that offers very little. Things don't always work out okay, do they? Things don't always work out the way we want. Sometimes it's possible to lose hope in the midst of all that's going on in our lives. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's possible to become hopeless in the world in which we live. Now, I don't know where all of you are today on the hope meter, but today we start into the book of First Peter, and Peter has a thing or two to say to us about hope. And where we can find that hope that we need in our lives. Life is up, life is down. And what I've discovered is that sometimes uh, when life gets people down, they tend to want to give up. Throw in towel, cash in their chips. Like I said, I don't know where you are in the hope meter today, but let's be honest. Really, a lot of people have a lot of reason to not have much hope in this world in which we live. This world is a mess. And I, listen, I know I've said that several times in this, in this series that we're in, Building on the Basics. But, but it is. And I really think, as I've thought about it, at least in, in my lifetime, maybe the biggest mess that it's ever been. Listen, you've you got ISIS over in the Middle East cutting off the heads of Christians and threatening to bring terrorist attacks on us. The Russians are flexing their muscles everywhere that they can. The North Koreans have a guy in charge that has made no bones about the fact that he would clearly like to wipe us all out. It's a virtual certainty that as soon as the Iranians get a nuclear weapon, they're going to use it. The, the Chinese and who else knows who else have uh, gotten into our 
our uh, economic and commercial and even governmental uh, systems hacked into them. Speaking of hacking into systems, I, I saw this interview this week with Ted Koppel. Some of you know who that he was a longtime uh, news guy for ABC, recently retired or got kicked out, depending on who you talk to. But uh, he's, he's written a book recently entitled, Tyler, we have a book? There it is, Lights Out. A, you probably can't read the small of it, but it's, but it's entitled Lights Out, a Cyber uh, Attack, a Nation Unprepared Surviving the Aftermath. <laughs> There's a promising title, right? Let me read that to you again. Lights Out, a Cyber Attack, a Nation Unprepared Surviving the Aftermath. And I saw this interview with him, saw a couple different, actually, di- different interviews uh, with him. And uh, uh, it, it, the, the book is about this this coming cyber attack that's coming on our, our power grid system. The, the, the attack that's coming on our power grid uh, system. And listen, uh, th- this is scary stuff. I know this is scary stuff. But according to Koppel, uh, uh, military, uh, anti-terrorist, uh, computer experts that he have ta- has talked to have assured him that it is not a matter of uh, if. It is simply a matter of when this attack is going to come. And uh, when it comes, millions of people will be without power. And he says, we're not talking about for hours. We are talking for possibly months at a time. He says uh, the Russians and the Chinese, now this is, I know it's scary stuff, but he says the Russians and the Chinese are actually already in our system. And, they, and th- that within our system, they have placed these, what, what he calls cyber time bombs that will effectively take out huge sections of the power grid. And as I said, we're not just talking about a couple of hours of inconvenience, possibly for long term. And in in an interview with CBS Morning Show, he gave the city of New York as an example. He says, imagine 8 million people suddenly cast into the dark, no power, uh, no, no energy. He said, the food supplies will run out within a very few short days. He said, the police will spend the first few days just trying to get the tens of thousands of people out of the the unpowered elevators that they're stuck in. And according to Koppel, in very short order, anarchy will, will reign in places like that. He says the Russians and the Chinese are one keystroke away from making that happen. All they can do is push the button. That's what he says. Now, he goes on to say that the good news is that the Chinese and the Russians probably will not push the button because of the the, the close economic ties that we have with them. In other words, uh, in a sense, they would be hurting themselves if they took out the number one uh, consumer in the world, the United States. And so they probably won't push the button. But he says the Iranians, the North Koreans, the ISIS, said, while they may not be in our system yet, he said they're not far behind and they have no compunction about pushing the button. They will have no hesitation to push the button. Wow, Clay. You really miss that whole hope idea, don't you? <laughs> you, really, you really kind of miss the mark there. If this message is supposed to be about uh, hope, uh, you need to find a new line of work because you are terrible at it. I'm ready to drink the Kool-Aid. I'm not finished. I'm not finished. I just want to set the stage this morning by reminding you that in this world, quite honestly, there is no hope. Not in this world. Not, not in a economic system, not in a political system. I don't care who is or is not in the White House. That's not where the answer is found. I know all of you have strong views on that, one way or the other. It's not about who's in the State House. It's not. In this world, 
things are a mess. But here we go. There is reason to hope. There is reason to hope. And Peter gives us some reasons, and we're going to look at this morning. Open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. Maybe you have a hard copy. Maybe you have an electronic copy. The text will be up on the screen as well. 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, I'll read verses 1 through 7. We probably will not get all the way through uh, your outline on the back. If you'd like to take notes, we probably won't get all the way through that outline uh, this morning. We'll dive into some of it. We'll look at some of the reasons or some of the places where you can find hope. I'll say it one more time. I don't know where everybody is on the hope meter in here this morning. But I want you to take hope in what Peter has to say to us. You ready? I'll <laughs> Thanks, Paris. Paris is ready. Or what about the rest of y'all? <clears throat> All right, I was going to take it as a yes. <laughs> I was taking your silence as a yes. First Peter, chapter 1. All right, forget about Koppel for a minute, all right? I see all the minds are like, oh, my God. have I got enough water stored up? I don't want Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away. Reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. So that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation or the unveiling or the appearing of Jesus Christ. Father, today, as we uh, take a few moments to look at your word, this uh, opening uh, salvo, if you will, that uh, Peter fires across the the bow of our busy, uh, hectic, uh, stressful Uh, sometimes hopeless lives, uh, I pray that as we look to where hope is found, that we would keep our eye uh, in that direction. It is so easy to become distracted by the the messes and the stresses of this world, Uh, Father God. Uh, But today, may we take to heart the truth of your word. Uh, We've spent the last number of weeks uh, looking at the book of James and faith and how to act on it. Lord God, now as we turn to uh, the first and second books of Peter, may we understand about hope and how to live in it. I pray for each person in this room, each person who will watch or listen to this message, uh, that uh, wherever they are uh, in their walk with you, wherever they are in the circumstances of life, however they feel, Uh, full of hope, uh, hopeless, or anywhere in between. May the truth of your word so penetrate our hearts and lives that we would be encouraged um, as a result of the truth of your word. Uh, God, already this morning I was thinking, your word is truth, not our circumstances. Your word is truth. So may we find uh, the hope that we so desperately need in the pages of your word today. 
In Christ's strong name, amen. All right, uh, let's, let's start with the first one. Where, where, do you, where do you find hope? Here's the first one this morning. Hope is found in the title that you wear. You want some hope? Take hope in the title that you wear. In verse 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen. Peter uh, is writing this letter to both Jew and Gentile believers uh, who have been scattered out into regions that today would, would basically make up what would be northern Turkey. He wrote his letter in or around 64 AD and sent it out and it was read among the various house churches in that region. Now, I say all that to begin with because sometimes people get the idea that that the word of God doesn't actually have any relevance for their lives today. Or maybe a few parts of it does, but a lot of it does not. I mean, the Bible is kind of old school or it's old fashioned or how does that was 2000 years ago or that was how many, how does that relate to me? Listen, these people that Peter is writing to just before what would be known as the Neronian persecution, these people were already living in stressful times. Many of them had already experienced a significant amount of persecution as a result of their faith in Jesus Christ. They had suffered. They were having a difficult time. And they were trying their best to hold on to hope in what at times must have seemed like a hopeless situation. Not unlike the way you sometimes feel in your life. Am I wrong? That sometimes the circumstances of your life seem hopeless. And, and what made it worse was, historically, what was about to happen was it, the persecution was about to ramp up. So things were bad, and they were about to get a lot worse. And Peter, God through the Apostle Peter, is trying to remind his people that no matter what circumstances look like, no matter what things look like, no matter what your life looks like, there is, say the word, hope. There's hope. Listen, can I I remind you this? If you don't hear anything else, I hope you hear a lot today, but if you hear anything, hear this. God always wants to bring his people hope. He does. He always does. And so things were bad for them, but things were about to get worse. They're about to ramp up and get worse. You feel that way at times, don't you? Come on. I mean, things are going, this is happening, that's happening, and you got this issue and, and that issue and marital issues and children issues and financial issues and work issues, and sometimes your issues can even have issues. And just when you think it can't get any worse, what happens? It gets worse. Right? That's life. And Peter starts out by reminding you and me and and all of us who profess faith in Jesus Christ. He says, hey, remember this. This is not your home. Hope is found in the title that you wear. And the title that you wear, New American Standard says, you are, right there in verse 1, aliens. That's the way the New American Standard puts it. You are aliens. Uh, the King James and the New International Version uh, translated as strangers. You're aliens, you're strangers. The New Living Translation tra- translates it as foreigners. One commentary I looked at referred to them and to us as sojourners. If you are a, a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you've committed your life to Jesus Christ, this is you. You're an alien, you're a stranger, you're a foreigner, you're a sojourner. The Greek word, I'm sure it doesn't matter, the Greek word that uh, Peter uses is peripedemois. It essentially means this. It means to be a temporary resident in a foreign land. Hey, that's you. You are a temporary resident in a foreign land. 
This is not my home and I'm not staying here. And I find hope in the reality that that's the title that I wear. I'm an alien. I'm a stranger. I'm a foreigner. I'm a sojourner in this land. Yes, this is where I am. Yes, it's a mess. Yes, it's probably not going to get better or certainly not going to get better before it gets worse. But this is not my home. This isn't it. There's something better. I was thinking about the first time that, uh, and I think about this because we had dinner with the, the Tidwell family uh, Friday night and they gracefully had us over and, and they were asking a little bit about our past because they're new to cross culture and I was telling them some about where all God has brought us on this journey and so it had me thinking about the first time that Cindy and I moved to uh, Tennessee. Uh, this was many years ago, back in 1986 when we moved to Tennessee and um, it's a long story and I'll try not to make it that long but uh, we basically in very short order uh, just, just were miserable. And I'd, I'd be honest with you, I wasn't in the ministry at the time. I was in work for post service. I wasn't really, I mean, I was in church and I was all that stuff, but I, I, I can't say that I really prayed about this decision or anything. I just, you know, seemed like a cool place to live. Tennessee compared to South Florida, you know, snow and hills and all that kind of stuff. So, so we moved and we moved to Tennessee and uh, in very short order, we were miserable. And there may have been a lot of circumstances that caused some of that, but we were, we were miserable and we just felt so out of place and we felt like Goodness gracious, what is, th- this is awful, right? Right, baby? <laughs> this, this is awful. This, this, this can't be it. We, we got we to get back home, <laughs> back, back to South Florida. And, and so we, here's what I'm, here's what I'm saying. We, we felt, ho- there was this place where we felt hopeless in, in the midst of all. And that's what I'm saying. That's what life can do to you at times. You just feel hopeless. And then, and then here's what happened. We began I don't know when or how, but we began to realize that, that God was working. God was doing something. And when you begin to realize that God is working and God is doing something, when God is a possibility that God's going to take you home, all of a sudden, you're very hopeful. We, we, we were telling the, the Tidwell family about uh, when we bought a, we'd bought a house. We'd, we'd, we'd rented a house. Uh, well, it was a lease with an option to buy. And we'd put some money down on it, right? And, uh, and so it was a few months before the closing because the people, they lived in Alabama now and yada, yada, yada. And so uh, in that meantime, we're like, oh, we don't like it here. and we, we need to go back, you know, home or whatever. And, uh, and so, but we didn't know, you know, how do you, how do you get, how do we get back? Would I have a job back there and all that kind of stuff? So we put money down on the house. We decided to go ahead and sell it. I mean, go ahead and buy it because I didn't want to lose that money, right? Significant amount of money. And uh, so we went to the closing and we closed on the house, and it was, probably, it was probably 10 minutes from the closing office to our house. And there's a lot to this, and I, you know, I'm feeling, for some of you who don't know this, I can fill in details later. But uh, went to closing, came home uh, 10 minutes later, and, and there's a car sitting in our driveway, and they'd like to look at our house. They're interested in buying our house. And uh, long story short, uh, within a couple of days, we signed a contract, sold our house for $7,000 more than we had paid for it basically 10 minutes before. So um, when you see that kind of stuff, you, you can begin to say, and listen, I'm not saying that God does the same thing every way. Every, I'm just saying you can begin to see, whoa, man, God, God's at work. God's doing something. There's hope. There's hope. And that's what Peter's talking about here, that there's hope that there's something better than, than this mess that we are in and this life that we're in and this, this something for us and that we're not permanent. I'm in this place. Jesus puts it in John 17, I think verse 16, that we're in the world, but we are not of the world. Hey, we're just strangers. We're just passing through. 
And I know, I know when we get in life, we, we want to fit in, we want to sell, we want to be a part, we, want, we don't want to stick out or, or be odd. But can I tell you something? We ought to be bold about the fact that we are aliens here. I don't mean we've got to have a third eye in the front of our head or anything, but, but there's a sense that we should stick out, that we should, that we should be bold in our witness and the fact, that's right, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Yeah, that, that's, that's who I am. And unashamed of this fact that, that yeah, I'm in this world and, and I, you know, God's creation is beautiful and all that stuff, but this is not it. This is not the final place. I'm just passing through this. Look what the Apostle Paul puts in Philippians chapter 3. I want you to see this. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. For I've told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. He gives some implication there that maybe they were saying they were uh, in agreement or believers. He says there are many... Uh, whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ, they are headed for, say that word, destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. Listen, all of us can get caught in that, right? It's just the trying to survive and all this stuff. They think only about life here on earth. But we are, say it, citizens of where? Heaven. If we've committed our lives to Jesus Christ, we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. That's the, that's the solution, folks. That's when all of this comes to an end. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, like his resurrected body, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. Yeah, that'd be a really good place to say amen. Because this is not our home and there is something better. And in the midst of all that's swirling around me and going on and how am I going to pay my bills and what happens to this and this, to, to keep fixed on this idea that this is not my home. Listen, I, 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 love, I love my life. Don't get me wrong, I love my life. I, I love ha- having the opportunity to influence the world and all that kind of stuff. But, but when things look hopeless, find hope in the reality that you are an alien here, you are a stranger, you are a foreigner, you are a sojourner, you are passing through this world, and there is something better, better. Here's a second place to find hope. Hope is found also in the trophy that you are. Verse 2 and 3 says this, this is according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, chosen in him according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Find hope in the trophy that you are. Now, I don't know if you noticed it there. We kind of read through it pretty quick. But if you've still got your Bibles open, maybe you can see it there. But did you notice all three persons of the Godhead involved in procuring your salvation right there? The mercy of God the Father, the sanctifying work of God the Spirit drawing you unto him, the finished work of God the Son on the cross, verified by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Do you know what this means? We don't have to save ourselves. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, some of y'all would not make it. <laughs> None of us would make it. 
We don't have to save ourselves. We don't have to work for it. We can't save ourselves. He has done this thing. He has redeemed us by his grace. Because of his amazing grace, God has drawn us to himself, washed our sins away, adopted us into his family. And as a result of that, man, I can find hope that I am a trophy of God's grace. Now, not a trophy like you said on the shelf. I have more to say about that. It'll probably be next week, but, but, but I'm a trophy of God's grace because of this wonderful, great, fantastic thing that God has done for each and every one of us. Are y'all here today? Yeah. All right. We're kind of spread out, but that's really kind of an exciting moment. I just thought in my head that was going to go much better than it. No, I'm, just I'm just kidding. There's this uh, story in uh, Max Licato's book, um, uh, In the Eye of the Storm. Great book, by the way. Uh, but Lakato tells this story in the book about this little boy who uh, goes into a pet shop uh, and he uh, wants to buy a, a puppy. And the pet shop owner has a box of puppies in the back of the store and he uh, sends him back there to look at the puppies and he does and he comes out in a few moments and he says, okay, I, I've, I've found the puppy that I, that I want. What, what is it going to cost me? And uh, the pet owner uh, tells him how much the, the cost is and and he says, okay, I'll, uh, I'll be back with the money. And the, as he's leaving, the, the store owner just kind of, you know, without even really looking up, he just says, don't take too long. These puppies won't, won't stay here very long. And, and the little boy says, don't worry. Uh, the one I picked out will still be here. And so he goes, you know, he's washing windows and, you know, doing yards and cleaning yards and doing whatever he can. He's saving his money together. And he finally gets enough money together. And he uh, brings it in to the shop owner. He puts it on the counter and he... He's counting out, you know, all the money. He says, okay, you got enough. He said, you can go pick out your puppy. And he goes into the back and he gets the, this, this small little puppy that, that has a, a bad leg. It has a, a, some birth defect it's born with and has a bad leg. And he's leaving, getting ready to leave the store. And the owner says, don't, don't take that puppy. Don't take that one. That, that one will, will never run with you. That one will never play with you. That one uh, can't uh, fetch uh, for you. Don't, don't take that puppy. And the little boy says, no, that's okay. He says, this is exactly the dog I've been looking for. And as he walks out the door, uh, the store owner looks and he realizes that uh, underneath the pants leg of the little boy is a, is a brace uh, supporting his leg. And Lakato tells the story to remind us that that Jesus Christ came to rescue us in our infirmities, in our imperfections. Not that he shared our imperfections and, and infirmities with us. Not that, that he, he knew the weaknesses that we knew. But he became one of us that he might redeem us so that we could be adopted into the family of God. So that we could be these trophies of grace. I don't know what people have said to you in your lifetime growing up as a kid or even as an adult. You don't do this or you'll never amount to this or you'll never accomplish that or you'll never be that. Listen, all you need to do is remember what, what Peter says right here. That you have been redeemed by the marvelous grace of God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit involved in redeeming you from the life that you would have lived. And drawing you unto yourself and saving you by His grace. It is an amazing thing to think. That no matter what my life looks like, I am a trophy of God's grace. Listen, you, you may never have, maybe you got a shelf full or maybe you never got any growing up uh, trophies for dance or football or, or basketball or, or, or whatever else. But remember this, that you are a trophy of God's grace. You may not always feel like it. You may feel so unworthy. 
But can I just remind you of this? Worthy's got nothing to do with it. Worthy's got nothing to do with it. It's about his worthiness to redeem you and make it possible for you to enter into the kingdom of God. There's hope. There's hope. One more uh, this morning to share with you. Uh, Hope is found in the treasure that you receive uh, also. In verse 4 and 5, look what he says. He says, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Think about that fact that your salvation, in a sense, is not revealed at this point. It's not. Right? I mean, you can, you can tell somebody, and hopefully you do tell somebody, I, I've, I've been saved, I've been born again, I've been redeemed by the blood of Christ. It's a fantastic testimony. But, but how do you reveal that? How do they, how do they know that that's, that's uh, true? How do they see that? No, there is a, a full and a complete salvation that is ready to be revealed in the end, at the return of Christ. And, and notice that he says, at first he says, he says uh, that you, this, this treasure is imperishable. It is imperishable. In other words, uh, it, will not, uh, it will not rot away. It will not diminish. It is imperishable. Everything in this world is perishable, isn't it? Theologians call it the sin curse. Scientists uh, call, call it the second law of thermodynamics or the law of entropy. I just say this, uh, all this stuff is destined for dust. But, but however you say it, in what, whatever way you, you look at it, it means that everything that you have, everything that you are, eventually is going to perish. But not this. Not you who are kept. It is imperishable. <laughs> the older I get, the more I appreciate the fact that it's imperishable. Because this is perishing real fast not only to say is it imperishable but he also says that it is undefiled in other words the the sin curse and the corruption and the 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 stain of of sin cannot touch this what god has for you this treasure that is kept uh, for you it is it is undefiled he also says that it is unfading. In other words, it will not, it will not lose its luster. It will not use, lose its value. However, that, whatever all that means with God, not in a thousand years or 10,000 years or a million, it is unfading. And then he says that it is reserved, kept in heaven for you. Don't you love that? Listen, there are denominations that... And belief systems that, that will tell you that, you know, well, you got you to gotta do this and you got you to keep doing that and you got to keep doing that. If, you know, if you, wanna, if you want it to work out, if you want to get there, if you want to be, then that's no. It is, it, it's got your name on it. It's reserved for you. And how is it reserved? What is it he says? He says it's none other than the power of God that's, that's keeping this treasure for you. Isn't that good? The power of God. It's not about you or, you know, because I don't know about you, but I have my bad days. I have my weak days. I have my days when I don't get it right. I have my days. That's not what this is about. 
This is about the fact that we are trophies of his grace and that trophy, and as a trophy of his grace, this is reserved for me in heaven. This place that he has prepared for me, this treasure uh, that uh, he has prepared for me. And of course the question is, well, what does that mean? What, 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 what is the treasure? What does it mean to say that he has treasures? Obviously some of it is the idea, this is the very aspect, the idea that, that as, as uh, Paul wrote a moment ago that, that our bodies will be changed and will be in eternity and and in his presence and all that kind of stuff. But quite honestly, I don't know what all it means uh, when, when we talk about this, this treasure that God is keeping for us. I don't know what all uh, or everything that it may mean, but I'm okay leaving that in the hands of God since he is a good God. I'm okay saying, God, it's whatever it is. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. This sounds like good news to me. Listen, this is not exactly theologically accurate, uh, but this, uh, this guy showed up at the gates of heaven ready for his interview with St. Peter. And St. Peter uh, is going down a list of questions to ask and gets to this question and he says, uh, uh, can you give some instance of uh, something that you did in your lifetime that was uh, of completely of a selfless nature? And the guy answers rather quickly. He says, yeah. He said, I can give you a great example. So I was walking down the street one day and uh, I saw this elderly la- lady being attacked by this uh, gang, uh, this uh, gang of thugs, motorcycle thugs. You know how those motorcycle people are. Uh, ga- gang of, gang of motorcycle thugs. And and he said, without even thinking, I ran over there and I snatched her away from the biggest, burliest guy you've ever seen. And to distract him, I kicked his Harley Davidson over, which then kicked all the rest of them over. And and I ran her over to another passerby to get her away. And to give them time to get away, I ran back into this and I took on the whole gang. And I was and I got some unbelievable licks in there. And I kicked this big guy in the shin. And I hit this other guy in the stomach. And he's describing this, and, and Peter's rather impressed. He says, when did this happen? And the guy looks at his watch, about two minutes ago. Okay, listen, here's the point. None of us know, none of us know, right, when this life is going to end. I mean, honestly, we don't, do we? I'm not trying to jump on the hopeless train again. I'm just, none of us know how, how long this will last or how long we'll be here or how many of us will still be here as we're drawing to the end of 2015. How many of us will be here in 2016? None of us know any of those things. But this is what we can know. It's this treasure that God has for us as his, this inheritance that he has for us because we are redeemed by him. In... Uh, I think it's Romans chapter 8, Paul says this, For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. This glory that is to be revealed to us. We can read some about it in Scripture. We can contemplate some about it. We can talk about it over coffee. But but it's not been revealed to us yet. Again, Paul in Colossians chapter 3 says, Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. Why? Because all this stuff, say it, all this stuff is destined for, that's right, it is. Listen, I'm not, I've said that, you've heard me say this a million times, I'm not saying nothing wrong, having a nice car, a nice house, uh, you know, whatever these things are. But just understand that, that, they, that they are not intrinsically what really matters. And in the end, it's all going to turn to dust. In the end, it's all going to pass away. And how much better to invest your life, we'll talk more about this next week, but how, how much better to invest your life where it, where it does not Turn to dust. There's a reason to hope. The title that you have, you are an alien. You are a stranger. You are passing through this world. This is not your home. 
You are a trophy of his grace. This work that God has done, you don't have to worry about being good enough to get in or did you help enough people or did you give enough money or did you do, that, that, that has absolutely nothing to do with your being adopted into the family of God. You are a trophy of his amazing grace and he is preserving, keeping, undefiled, untainted, uncorrupted, keeping this treasure in heaven for you, waiting for the time as Peter said as we read there this morning, until the revelation, the unveiling, the return of Jesus Christ. There's hope, ladies and gentlemen, there's hope. We certainly pray that today's message has been encouraging to you. If you have found yourself in a situation where you have felt hopeless, it's easy to feel that way in this world, isn't it? There is plenty enough going on in the world and oftentimes plenty enough going on in our own lives to cause us to lose hope. As Pastor Clay explained today, Peter's opening remarks were meant to remind us that even when things look bad, we have someone to hope in. As followers of Christ, we are just temporary residents of this world. God has something much better in store for us in the future. In the meantime, we can find hope in the plans and purposes that God has for us. Life won't always be easy, but with God's power and promises, we can be faithful until He calls us home. We're glad you joined us for this week's Crosswalk. Pastor Clay is the author of the book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. My prayer is that God would use it to help some people understand a few things about what it really takes to live in the promises of God. God wants you to live a life of peace and purpose and meaning and hope and fulfillment and contentment. He wants you to live a life without fear and without anxiety. Many people at some point in their life feel disconnected with the type of life and faith they read about in the Bible and what their lives look like on a daily basis. What is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not getting? If I'm not really living in the promises of God, why is that? That's what this book explores. I Get It is available online in electronic versions for the Nook and Kindle, as well as paperback form from Amazon.com. And ask for it by name at your favorite local bookstore. You can go in bookstores and just say, hey, uh, have you got a book in here, uh, entitled I Get It from Clay Stevens. They can order this book out of their catalogs that they get. Get your copy today. Discover the promises of God and the steps you need to take to get it. And join us here each week online for another Crosswalk message. God has invited us to know Him through His Word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable to every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. Cross Culture Church. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. Our desire is to be used by God to show people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where you'll find what you're searching for. Cross Culture Church. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to leave. Cross Culture Church, a new church for people like you. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.